You are listening to the Mother Good Podcast, episode number 30. I'm your host, Emily Carney. We at Mother Good believe that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. Our content is judgment-free within the context of evidence-based research. This episode is sponsored by Sacred Blossom Living Herbal Teas. The leaves are grown on a small farm in Wisconsin and shipped straight to your door. When I first opened the box of tea I received from them, I couldn't believe how fresh the tea leaves looked and how wonderful it smelled, and the tea is also very delicious. I don't know about you, but one of my favorite ways to relax at the end of a long day chasing a toddler around is to sit down and sip a nice cup of hot tea. And in times like this, when it's hard to go grocery shopping or inventory is very limited or there's nothing on the shelves, it's so easy to have the tea shipped straight to your door. They have three flavors, Angel, Tiger, and Dream. Tiger has a caffeine-like substance that provides energy. Angel has a gentle, minty, and sweet flavor. And Dream is the most relaxing. It's a calming tea and also very tasty. So treat yourself during these strange times and order a box of fresh and delicious tea from Sacred Blossom Living Herbal Teas. You can use the code MOTHERGOOD for 15% off. Visit sacredblossomfarm.com to place your order. And again, use the code MOTHERGOOD for 15% off your order. Welcome to the Mother Good Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Reem, who is a licensed clinical psychologist whose focus is on maternal mental health. In this episode, I chat with Dr. Reem about mom guilt, what it is, how to combat it, how to manage family dynamics when guilt stems from family members, plus much more. I'm so excited to finally bring you this episode on mom guilt because it's something that we are 100% against here at Mother Good and one reason why we even started it. And I personally don't know a single mom who doesn't currently or hasn't in the past struggled with mom guilt at some point in time. And if we don't learn to manage it, it can also become all-consuming, create anxiety or negativity in motherhood, and possibly even negatively impact impact our relationship with our kids. Dr. Reem runs the extremely helpful, educational, and uplifting Instagram page, Psyched Mommy. That's P-S-Y-C-H-E-D Mommy, which I highly recommend everyone follow. If you've been following our page for a while now, you know that I frequently share Dr. Reem's posts. If I could, I would share every single one of them because they are just phenomenal. And I know that I always get something out of every single post that she makes. And I know that you will as well. She's also generously offered $10 off her course with the code MOTHERGOOD10. The course is called Keeping Mommy in Mind and is a comprehensive digital course that comes with a 50 plus page workbook and a Facebook community. In the course, she discusses many aspects of motherhood, including the transitions and changes in motherhood, identity crisis, or a sense of loss in motherhood. She includes many reflections and exercises, and also some of the topics include perinatal mood disorders, and she goes over each one, and she teaches therapy skills. So it's basically like almost like having your own therapist right at your fingertips at any moment that you need it. She talks about how to challenge negative thinking with evidence-based skills, teaches some relaxation techniques, ways to get better sleep, the interplay between breastfeeding and mental health. And she even has a section on relationships you can watch with your partner or spouse on intimacy building and social support. Again, I'm so psyched about bringing you this episode and this content with Dr. Reem on mom guilt so that you can can better manage it in your own life. I know I'm going to implement some of the practical tips that she talks about in our chat today. So without further ado, here is my amazing chat with Dr. Reem. Dr. Reem, welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. 
Well, as I mentioned earlier before we hit record that I've just been a big fan of your Instagram page for a while now. You just have a gift of conveying mental health issues for motherhood in in such a really great way. So I'm so excited to have you on the show. So could you tell us about yourself or anyone who doesn't follow you already online? Yes. So I um, I don't know why I love telling people this, but I'm from Michigan and I feel like that's because the place it's going to have a place in my heart for the rest of my life. But I am a Michigan girl and uh, that's where I um, actually met my husband. We went to undergrad together. So I am a licensed clinical psychologist and I have worked in a variety of settings before um, really focusing on maternal mental health before doing this. What a lot of people don't know about me is I used to work in eating disorder recovery. I have worked in health psychology and um, done a lot of work in body image and a lot of those things. But when I became a mom, I started to shift my focus into maternal mental health, primarily because I had a personal interest in it, but also um, I wanted to understand it better. So I pivoted. I kind of made some, a big transition in my career where I made this shift and I've never looked back. Um, so that's kind of what I do professionally. And I also work as a research contributor. That's another thing that most people don't know about me and don't see on my Instagram is that I also work for a research company and I do a lot of writing for research and I'm a mom. So that's a big part of my life. I'm a mom to an almost three-year-old and he is both the light of my life and sometimes not so sweet things, but that's how motherhood works. So yeah, I think that is a lot of who I am. I love how you're so honest, how you say that your son is the light of your life and also <laughs> sometimes causes you a lot of problems because at Motherhood, we're all about keeping it real. And that's something that you don't really see you know, ex- as accepted in culture or online is just to talk about more of the realistic aspects of motherhood. So I really love that. How about a little bit about your life trajectory so far, what your education is, how you met your spouse and any careers and hobbies? Yeah, I am originally from Michigan, but I currently live in Arizona. And I met my husband back in Michigan. So we have been together since we were 22. And uh, we met in undergrad. I got accepted to graduate school in Arizona and we never looked back. We kind of moved out West and I was starting my career in psychology. I was pursuing graduate school and he was pursuing uh, pharmacy school. So we were just really busy people. And um, that's really was such a big part of my twenties, honestly, was education, doing a lot of that, but also being very adventurous and spontaneous. That's something that I think was a big shift for me in motherhood was I went from being the most spontaneous person, I feel like on the face of the planet to, you know, motherhood changes that a little bit. So we've also shifted through the years in our relationship and our, the dynamics as parents. So just navigating that, but yeah, we've settled our roots here in Arizona. I don't know that we're going to leave anytime soon, but who knows? Um, And I have a practice in Arizona, in the Phoenix area, it's actually virtual. And that's how I meet with all of my clients. So that's been incredible. And that's just what I've been doing and how things have been moving. And I really like where they have been moving, honestly. I love that how you brought up that you were originally from Michigan, you and your husband, right? Is that, is that what you said? Yeah. Cause my my dad actually 
was born and raised in Michigan and I grew up always visiting my grandparents there. So I have fond memories of Michigan. So oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, I'd love now to switch gears to talk about mom guilt, which I've been wanting to talk about for a while now on our show, because that that is one reason why we ended up starting Mother Good is just to try to make moms feel better, that they don't have to be perfect, that they can let go of some of that mom guilt. And I know that you talk about this a lot on your platform. And I just love how you reframe a mom's mindset and common mindsets too. I mean, a lot of the posts that you post that I've had some of those thoughts myself and that you try to shift a mom's perspective from one of guilt to self-love. So I would love you to discuss what exactly mom guilt is and also why we have it. And I realize that's a big question. So we might have to have some follow-up questions to that. Uh, But if you could just talk about that, that would be great. I think the biggest piece that we miss is that we often kind of interchangeably use guilt and shame. And it's really helpful to understand what they are. They are, it's an emotional experience that we have. Um, Guilt is often how we feel about the world and how we relate to the world and how we feel responsible for a lot of things, or we feel a sense of failure about a lot of things. And um, shame is how we feel about ourselves. So it's, I always put it this way. Guilt is I feel bad for doing and shame is I feel bad for being. And it's how we see ourselves versus how we see ourselves relating to the world. And mom guilt, I mean, it can be, I guess, protective or productive um, in a sense because when we feel guilt or shame, it's kind of keeps us in line or keeps us in check and says, you know, let's not make these bad decisions or Um, let's not harm other people. Obviously, we want to live an upstanding life. However, mom guilt kind of takes it a bit further where we start to feel guilty and it's not productive and it's not protective because it can make us feel this debilitating sense of responsibility for things that might not be our responsibility or it might make us feel a sense of failure for something that we don't even own that failure for, if that makes sense. Um, And examples that come up a lot in session Or, you know, I feel guilty about um, technology. That's a big one. I feel bad for letting my kids watch whatever it is. Or I feel um, guilty about taking time away from myself or having my partner watch our kid or going to work, breastfeeding or not breastfeeding. The list goes on. And when when you say those things out loud, it sounds silly because we shouldn't really feel guilty about a lot of those things. But it's the sense of responsibility or this ownership of responsibility and this feeling of failure, like we're not doing enough. I remember reading in Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly, that she talks about obviously guilt and shame. That's what the whole book is about. But she did have a specific page that talks about how mom guilt is even more magnifying than regular guilt, just as you were saying. So it sounds like guilt can be a good thing. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but then mom guilt kicks it up a notch and then kind of makes it bad. Is that, is that sort of what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Cause if you, I mean, you think about it, if I always like reflect back to like when, I mean, if I, I tell a white lie, I might feel guilty. Like I shouldn't have done that. I did something wrong. So really the emotional experience is not always a negative experience. However, in the sense of mom guilt, we have taken ownership and responsibility of things that we are not wrong. Like, so if I were to say that, um, I feel guilty about going back to work and I know it's something I have to do to support my family. When we think about it, it's not a productive emotional experience. It's really harmful and it's self-deprecating. 
So you mentioned some examples and common examples of mom guilt, such as breastfeeding or technology, letting your kids use technology a little bit too much. Could you maybe list uh, a few more common examples of mom guilt and then maybe using those examples, how we can reframe our mindset? I know that you do this a lot on your Instagram account. So I was hoping maybe you could do that a little bit verbally because I just love how you transform the mindset from one of negativity to positivity. Yes, absolutely. I mean, moms can feel guilty for just about anything. And honestly, the feedback I get from moms is about guilt about um, not taking a break. I mean, I'm sorry, taking a break when I could be doing more. So that's like if my child is taking a nap and I decided to sit down for a break, I'm feeling a sense of guilt for that. Or I'm feeling a sense of guilt because I haven't accomplished you know, the laundry or cooking. Or maybe I'm feeling guilty because I'm not the mom I anticipated I would be. I'm not doing all of the extracurriculars or I can't afford this opportunity for my child. Maybe I'm not reading enough to my kids. Anything that you can think of that you've probably traveled through your mind can produce this feeling of guilt for moms. And that's why it's just, it's so pervasive and it's so harmful. Um, How I think about it, when we talk about reframing the mindset and we talk about how we can see this differently, there's a couple of things. The first being, and it's an easy thing, and you probably heard this quite often and therapists use this, is when you say it out loud, and if a friend were to tell you that, or if your sibling or your spouse or anybody else were to share that same um, experience with you, how would you respond? If a really close friend to you said, you know what, I'm feeling guilty because I decided to sit down and eat a warm meal instead of clean, how would you respond to them? Would you say, oh my gosh, you should be ashamed of yourself? (laughs) It's silly when we say it out loud, right? Um, so those are some of the reframes when we're thinking about ourselves and it's to think about how we would respond to somebody we truly love, respect, and care for. Uh, another thing is identifying where the expectation came from. So what is like, why is this so important to us? If it's cleaning our house and keeping it so clean, is that something I value, um, so much? Where did that value come from? Is it more valuable than my mental health? So we start to really gauge where this came from, how important it is, and how do we prioritize it, if that makes sense. Yes, I love that so much. And then even about your example about sitting down and eating a hot meal or something, that's something that I definitely had to tell myself that I needed to do that because I wasn't eating healthy just because I was just scrambling and always doing stuff. So sitting down and just telling yourself you deserve something. Um, for your own health is I don't know why it's it's so hard to do like why why is it that moms when it comes to ourselves we don't think that and taking care of ourselves that we don't think that we deserve it or that we're we're last on the list a lot of things shift in motherhood so obviously prior to becoming a mother and I'm not saying this for everybody because I can't speak for every single person but we are a little more self-focused because we have that time we have the energy and I think it's a really a biological response, and it's a very instinctual response to feel like we are now, we have something very fragile and very vulnerable that is placed in our care, and it's our responsibility to protect and care for them. And so has established mom guilt, because now we feel like if we are not putting all of our energy and effort into doing for and protecting this you know, tiny human that we've created, then are we doing a good enough job? So I think that our focus really shifts when we become parents. 
And that's kind of how we begin to see and rank how we're doing is, you know, if we're doing enough based on a comparison, I'm sure, or a lot of other things that we tend to do to rank how we're doing. And we can, we can talk, that can be a whole conversation through. <laughs> oh, okay. I bet. Is there, is there any good positive self-talk that a mom can basically tell herself when she's about to do something that she knows she needs to do for herself, her health or mental health, whatever it is? Is there a good line or some phrases that moms can tell themselves just so they don't feel guilty in the moment when they're doing it? Absolutely. I think one of the really important things that we can do is capture the negative thinking patterns. That's a very important thing that we can do. Because I think a lot of times we're not even aware and awareness breeds change because we are now identifying the negative thoughts and we can start to challenge them. So it's not even that we just reframe with a positive thought. It's almost that we are fighting the negative thought. We're taking it to court and we're saying, is this valid? I mean, where does the validity come from and who says this is true? So a lot of that is very important. So when I have a thought that says I should be doing, you know, the dishes, or I should be doing whatever it is, writing it down, capturing it and saying, well, who says, you know, is this a thousand percent true? And if I say that I could be doing the dishes, but I also should be nurturing myself in, you know, whatever way you choose, is that equally as important? So I think a lot of it goes to awareness, identification of negative thoughts, challenging negative thoughts, but also starting to write it all down and make more sense of it and slowing down the thought process. Affirmations work great. I love them. I use them all the time. I actually used to, um, on my mirror in my bathroom, I take a dry erase marker when I, especially when I'm needing it, and I write down messages to myself where I know that I get into a common thought trap. And if it's something like that, like I deserve a hot meal, for example, you would write it there so you can see it every day, and it's a reminder to yourself that you need to be nurturing yourself or caring for yourself. And I think just starting with I deserve or I give myself permission to and allowing maybe each day or each week to have something new that you really truly believe that you deserve and that you need, putting that in front of your face and seeing how that does change the course of the day for the week. It's amazing how writing something down or even saying it out loud just changes your perspective and then makes you realize how ridiculous that <laughs> you've been being. Because I remember when I first told my husband that I didn't have time to sit down and eat. I just, when I said it, it just, it sounded so silly. It's like, why can't I <laughs> sit down and eat a meal? You know, and then he was encouraged right. me just, just sit down and do it. So I, I really like that idea. And then the mirror idea as well. That's, that's really great. Uh, what about our own childhood? Does it contribute it? contribute at all to our guilt. I saw a recent post that you were talking about how our child could can influence how we parent and how we view ourselves as a mom. Could you talk about that aspect as well? Yes. So not only does our childhood, but also the current circumstances of our lives, and I'll kind of talk a little bit more about this, but depending on how we were raised, we have an expectation we've created now. Um, either we start to repeat a lot of the same you know, generational habits and patterns, even unknowingly, we can repeat those things. And we kind of create those expectations based on how we were raised. And some people are okay with that. Some people will establish expectations based on what they don't want to have and what they wish they would have had from their childhood. So there is this fantasy that they've created a higher expectation based on, I, I'm going to do everything in my power not to be like my parent. And um, other people might even establish 
this idea and expectation from their surroundings, like what they see on I mean, obviously media, social media, television, neighbors, it can be anything where they we begin to mirror or create the expectation based on these experiences. So it really can come from anywhere. And um, a lot of them, I mean, we can establish them and we don't even know that it's happening, but we've created this image in our brain of what we think we should be like as a mom, what we think, how we think we should be responding, how we think we should be doing things. And the, the expectation can create a significant amount of disappointment and um, shame. And a lot of feelings can come up when we don't feel like we're hitting that target or we're missing the mark. So yes, early childhood, I mean, especially for some pe- people, you know, they have these quote unquote, you know, super moms that have done all and everything. And I think the difficult part is that we compare our experience and not just to our childhood, but to anything. And we think that we have the same exact set of circumstances. Like, you know, if my mom could do this, then why can't I? Or if my neighbor, she can do this so easily, then why can I? And we don't realize that behind the scenes, so many things are different. There's so many layers of it that's we're different people. We have different personalities. We have different desires. We have different finances, different generation. So many layers of differences that we have not identified yet. We expect that it's going to be that way. And that creates disappointment. And a lot of times, or sometimes I should say that moms are, our our parents can even put that pressure on us currently. So it's not even internally. Do you have any recommendations for maybe some moms out there who are kind of struggling with pressure from their own mothers that they did it a certain way. I know that I've heard this complaint a lot from my friends that they don't really know how to deal with their mother to tell them that they want to do it this certain way. And then that gives them a lot of guilt because their mom is constantly (laughs) reminding them that this is not the way that they did it. Oh my goodness. This comes up in therapy every day. This comes up every day. And I I thought it was common. At least it seems common to all of my friends. So yeah. I figured it was a common issue. Oh my gosh. Yes. And you know, it's funny because um I joke, my mother-in-law is the sweetest woman. She's very laid back and I'm so thankful for that. But she says something. She says, I can't imagine being a mother right now because it's like a science experiment to raise a child. She says, you know, it's just so hard and that you're you guys are always measuring input and output and all these things, and I can't imagine doing it. That's true, yeah. And everything is put out there for the internet. And yeah, so parents can definitely contribute to the shame, the feeling of guilt, all of those things. And the best thing we can do is understand one, why am I making these decisions for my family? When our decisions are based in our values, and that is one of the most important things we can do is understand whatever that you're choosing to do for your family, whether it's um, I'm choosing to breastfeed or I'm choosing to name whatever it is that you're struggling with, that you're struggling with internally, identify what why is this rooted in my values? Why is this important to me? And if you find that it's actually not for you and it's for a lot of other people, like I, because my mom did it or because people are telling me it's the only way to do something or it's the best way to do something, then you understand that you're not really doing it for the right reasons. That's the first thing. So understand that you're doing the things that you want to be doing. That's important. The second thing is establishing boundaries with people. This is sounds easy, much harder. (laughs) much harder than it sounds. And it's typically harder with family or people that are really close to us because we've we're kind of, sometimes we're enmeshed. Sometimes we're just so used to this, you know, back and forth. And we feel like there is, it's, I hear this a lot. 
that there's no use. It's not going to get better. This is who this person is. However, we can respond in a way where we say, um, I appreciate your opinion, mom, but I, we're choosing to do this like, you know, whatever way in our house. This is the way that we are choosing to raise our kids. I really appreciate and respect your um, your input, but we have decided that this is what we want to do and what works for our family. So when you say stuff like that, and I think part of it is obviously I can't give a script for every single scenario, um, but we want to talk about like, I appreciate if you do have a genuine appreciation, sometimes people will overstep the boundary and it's inappropriate, but talking about why you're making the decisions, this is what we're, you know, this is what we are choosing to do for our family and how we've chosen to do it. And I really don't feel comfortable having these conversations repeatedly. Um, and then see how they, that goes. It might not feel comfortable, but it may work if you start to set those boundaries and use your voice a little bit more than you are comfortable with. Right. I was just going to say that how many times do you have to have that conversation asking literally for a friend? I just have one friend in particular that has a hard time with that. And and, and it seems like that that moms, when it's their own daughter, that they just kind of are a little bit relentless on that, even when you mm-hmm. do say something. So I, I mean, I don't think that's an uncommon issue. Is that something you just keep on repeating and then hoping it sticks eventually? <laughs> well, sometimes you have to take the boundary to the next step and you say, you know what, mom, if you're going to bring this up again, I'm going to have to remove myself because I talked to you about this. I've talked about why this is important and I want to continue our relationship and I really appreciate our relationship and I love our relationship. But when we talk about this, it's not going anywhere and we have difference differences of opinion. So the next time you bring it up, I'm just going to have to leave and remove myself. And then yeah. you do it and you actually do it. And it's going to be hard, but that's the p- part of setting boundaries. It's not easy and it feels uncomfortable, but you can reap the reward of setting a boundary. And if somebody doesn't respect even that, the part that I always inc- just really kind of want to hit home is that it's our job to set a boundary, but it's we are not responsible for how people respond to that boundary. And if it means that, exactly. So if that means that we need to create some separation between that person during a period of time, then that's what's going to have to happen. But that's a consequence of a boundary. And that's a part of, you know, being, having some effective interpersonal relationships and sticking to what you believe in. No, those are really great tips. I love those so much. I'd love to switch gears a little bit to talk a little bit more about self-care. I know that you recently had a post on this on how to do practice self-care from home. And obviously, since all of us are quarantined and maybe there's a little bit extra Mm -hmm. mom guilt flying around, at least it seems like there is from everyone that I know and from what I've been seeing online, how can we practice self-care at home, especially during this, this strange time? I think part of it is being creative, getting really creative. You know, I joked about this earlier, and I think I may have put this in a caption of one of my recent posts, but someone told me nearly a decade ago, if you're bored, it's because you're boring. And I thought it was harsh in the moment, <laughs> but I'm starting to recognize the meaning behind the saying. And it's really like we have to be okay with ourselves We have to be able to live inside of our bodies and inside of our minds and feel comfortable and content. Um, Part of being in quarantine forces us to do things that really take and peel back the layers because we we don't have the distractions. We don't have maybe a lot of the distractions of, of activities or the distractions of, for some people, it's like addictive behaviors or whatever that may look like. And for some, it might, you know, really 
make those a bit bigger and a, um, a bit more pervasive at the moment. But I think part of it is getting back to just simplifying what things are enjoyable to me. What is something I can explore that maybe I have not done before, or I'm, you know, I have done before and I'm just now coming back around to it. I understand that it's going to look different because we have kids. And when you have kids at home, it's not the same. Like for people that are at home without their kids, without kids, I'm sorry, obviously quarantine looks different. You've seen the memes that are passed along about, you know, what's it like for you? You know, you're at home with nothing else. And to be honest, if we're going along with this discussion about um, guilt, I've had this own personal struggle this week and I have taken some time to really reflect on it myself. I um talking about technology. I have like I said almost 3 year old. And I have thoughts about technology. Clearly, I think it's a tool. I think it can be utilized really well and it This is the thing. We talk about exposure. Exposure versus exposure. So if I expose my son to a little bit of technology and it provides me with the um respite or reprieve I need to take care of myself, is he going to be exposed to a happier mom or do I not expose him to technology, but he's exposed to a very negative and upset and irritable mother. Mm-hmm. And those are the things where I have to do like a pros and a cons list, I guess you'd say. But this week I took one day and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to let him have any technology and I'm going to try to be really present all day. And I found that it was my most miserable day of the week because all I wanted was a minute to myself. And um, we don't get that right now in quarantine. You know, we're around our kids. Um, So I used that, got to move my body a little bit for 30 minutes. And it was like, I was ready to roll. Like, okay, let's do this. Um, But obviously that's not the case for everybody. Not everybody can do that. Some people have smaller kids as well that that's not going to even work. If you have somebody living in your home, create a schedule to where you do have a carved out piece of time where you say, can you take over for this chunk of 30 minutes? Or can you take over, you know, during this time slot, create the time slot, make it intentional. Because if you don't, you're not going to set the time and you're not going to do it. So really do that and then find something to do that is going to tend to your needs. And I don't mean scrolling through your phone because we probably do that throughout the day anyhow, and it's not serving us emotionally. Um, so I would say do something that is either activating if you're feeling down, like move your body or dance in your kitchen and sing a song or in your room. I don't know, whatever feels activating to you. Um, Walk around in your neighborhood or maybe it's something that needs to be soothing because you're feeling really keyed up and anxious and maybe you're looking into some deep breathing techniques. Um, Maybe you're looking at some yoga or stretching, whatever that looks like, a podcast that really does speak to your soul and make you feel good or reading a book. Finding activities that fit your need and rating it. I talk about this in my course, Keeping Mommy in Mind, but we can rate activities as we do them and we identify what worked, what didn't work. You know, when I'm feeling anxious, what is a go-to thing I can do? We have to really be very um, particular about this as moms because our time is so valuable, right? And we have limited time. So uh, those are just some of the pointers I would suggest. That example that you gave about having your son watch some screen time so you could do something that that uplifted you and it was great self-care that it kind of reminded me of a study. It was a psychology study. I don't know, maybe you heard of this that my sister told me about where 
uh, you know, stay-at-home moms who are just upset at their kids all day or yelling, but they're they're present to their kids because they're with them. Um, actually, the kids are less happy than moms who work, and then the few the few hours that they do spend with their kids, they're they're completely happy because they got that break. Just kind of reminded me of that that mm-hmm. study. So, uh, you mentioned your keeping mommy keeping mommy in mind class. Uh, what is that? Could you tell our listeners more about it? Yes. So this is a course I created and it took me quite some time to put together, but it's a very comprehensive, um, it's a digital course. So it's recordings. It's never expires online. It comes with a 50 plus page um, workbook that goes with it, as well as a community on Facebook where moms are connecting and really sharing their takeaways from a lot of the course. And it goes over a lot of different things. So we'll talk about transitions and changes in motherhood. A lot of those myths of motherhood, the expectations we set, um, our identity crisis or the sense of loss. That first piece is truly talking about that transition and what it's like. And it has a ton of reflection exercises that I've created that moms can work through. The second section, we talk about perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And I go through Every single diagnosis, we go over the symptoms. We talk about presentation, what it would look like. And then I move into therapy skills. So the skills that I teach my patients in my regular practice, I teach moms in the course how to challenge negative thinking using um, evidence-based skills, as well as I have recordings of my voice um, with relaxation techniques. We talk about practical ways to get better sleep the interplay between breastfeeding and mental health. There's a great uh, section on relationships, which I think is one of the most important in the course, because there's an entire section that you should watch with your partner if you're parenting with somebody. And it goes over effective communication, conflict resolution, and intimacy building. And there's a whole one about developing social support. It's just a very comprehensive course that took me nearly a year to create. And um, it's just, it never expires. And it's something that moms can do at home if they don't, they're not able to see a provider or if they're not able to um, get out and see a therapist, or maybe this is something that they need as an extra piece that can really complement the treatment that they're undergoing. So I am proud of the course and I'm getting such great feedback about it. So it's been incredible. I wanted to really um, let everybody know that um, if you're listening to this and if you're part of the Mother Good community, you get a discount code of MotherGood10. So I wanted to make it as simple as possible, and that would give you $10 off the course um, because I think that obviously your listeners should get a little special (laughs) uh, promotional discount for that, for being here. That sounds wonderful so much. I I don't know personally a single mom who hasn't experienced a form of, you know, a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder or even just struggle with some aspect of motherhood. So, thank you so much for your generosity. I'm so excited to check it out too. So, uh switching gears a little bit to talk about a personal question. Well, I know that you've been talking about some personal examples throughout, but could you give us an example of a time when you realize it's okay to not be a perfect mom and it's okay to be a good one instead? Yes. I um, created a post a while back about, it's funny because I tell, I tell people this all the time. A lot of my posts come from personal experience, not all of them, but quite a few of them. And one of them was talking about the mom I thought I was going to be. And, you know, I had these expectations that I was going to be this fairly rigid, not rigid, I guess you'd say regimented um, Pinterest 
um, always present mom that was just joyful all the time, patient. And when I realized, and I think I probably realized early on that I was not going to be perfect and that was okay because it was falling apart quickly. (laughs) And I realized that I was putting so much pressure on myself and it was okay to not be any of those things. It's okay to be those things, but it was okay for me to not be any of those things. Um, And it started really early because things were falling apart for me because I had all these high, high expectations and really perfectionistic ideas of what motherhood would look like. And when I gave myself permission to let go of all the schedules and to let go of all of the activities or all of the things, I really, it was a freeing experience for me. Um, Particularly, honestly, breastfeeding was a hard one for me. Early on the first few days, I would just sit up and cry because I was like, no one told me this was going to be so incredibly hard. Um, and I, you know, gave myself this, the option, right. It was like, I don't need to do this just to do it. And that was the part that's like, I I don't need an excuse. I don't need an, um, anything. Like I don't have to say anything to anybody if I don't want to continue. And I, it ended up getting easier with the help of a lactation consultant, but just the idea of saying, you know, if I want to back out or change my mind on anything in motherhood, it's okay. I'm allowed to do that. I'm allowed to change my mind. And that's really it. That's so hard to realize that you can change your mind because you feel like you're committed to it and (laughs) you don't want to be held accountable to that. So that's such a, such a great example. So where can moms find you on social media online if they want to follow you and learn more about you? Yes, I am psyched mommy. So P S Y C H E D M O M M Y. I'm psyched mommy on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, on Pinterest, and my website is psychedmommy.com. It makes it really all very easy to get a hold of me. Um, but that's where you can find me. And that's where I post a lot about maternal mental health and a lot of these matters of um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders that I think people really appreciate. I know that we reshare a lot of yours. So thank you so much for that invaluable resource of all of your accounts, your, your website and your Instagram account. So I really love following them. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Reem, for joining us today. I really enjoyed our conversation and I learned so much personally and I, I bet everyone listening did as well. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's 